The hosts feel it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to. Well, we've warned you. Hello, and welcome once again to the Frankencast. I'm the mad scientist, Anthony Bowman. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined as always by... The romantic love interest that is also a reporter that is Eric Velasquez. <laughs> My pronouns are he, him as well. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> this is a movie. It's something. It is something. <laughs> like, all right, so real talk. Um, this, at times, looks like one of the cheapest movies we've, we've dealt with, and then at other times, it looks pretty good for the time. I'm never going to say any of the special effects are cutting edge at all, <laughs> yeah. because that would be a lie. <laughs> yeah, so this is made by Al Adamson, who's kind of, like, known for making, like, super low-budget, mm-hmm. just trash, drive-in kind of movies. Oh, yeah. I think... I think this is probably his biggest movie in terms of budget and cast and everything. Usually it was just like, you know, his friends, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a documentary that came out about him a year or so ago that's, that's definitely worth checking out. I can't, it's called, like, Flesh and something. Okay. I don't remember, but it, it it's pretty interesting. Uh, but, yeah, most of the, you know, like, in this case, um, I guess we should, to talk about the cast, Judith is played by his wife, Regina mm-hmm. Carroll. Um, but I think in most of his films, it was her plus all their friends. And this time, instead, they kind of pulled a Tarantino and, like, hired a bunch of, like, washed-up actors and gave them, like, one last chance, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's also rough that this is, uh, what, Lon Chaney's... Is it his penultimate movie or pretty close to it? He, he made three movies this same year, mm-hmm. and those were his last movies. I'm not sure which order he did them in. Yeah, because yeah, another one is actually starring one of his... Uh, his uh, fellow actors in this movie, which is Russ okay. Tamblin, who is alumni at the Frankencast, War yeah. the Gargantuas. Yep, exactly. Um, in this, he plays like this like punk teenager named Rico. Is it Brownface? Because it feels like he was going for Brownface. <laughs> yeah, I mean the name Rico. You know, I mean I feel like that that leans like either you know latinx or italian and i don't think he's either of those no russ tamblin no <laughs> i don't think so but it feels like he wasn't really trying it's like he was told to do a thing and he's like i'm only going to do part of that thing because the rest of it's insulting <laughs> which is yeah, good he's, he's not trying too hard at that which is yeah like you said that's 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 mm-hmm. the right choice mm-hmm. yep <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, Lon Chaney Jr. made a l- couple movies this this year, and then would die. I think two years later. Right. What seventy um, five? Yeah. We also have another Frankencast alum, um, Doctor Duray, in this <gasps> movie is J. Carol Nash, uh. um, who was Daniel from mm-hmm. House of Frankenstein. So okay. also a, a wow. former uh, castmate of Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. That's amazing, by the way. Yeah. Their, their dynamic is something. It sure is something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very different this go-around than it was in House of Frankenstein. And uh, this, uh, our Dracula, uh, I think this may be his one and only role. I think so, yeah. It's like this and maybe one other short or something. I'm, I'm sure he was somebody that, like, Al Adamson knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. Xandor Vorkov, which, that's a great villain name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, run with that. We, like, even the other, like, smaller roles, like, you have, there's, like, a, a little person carnival barker that, I think you only get his name once, Grasbo. Grasbo! Do you know who that fucking is? Mm-hmm. Master Blaster! Yeah. Well, Master, specifically, but yeah. Yeah, and he's also um, from Todd Browning's Freaks, mm-hmm. so he has some, like, old-school universal horror ties as well. Yeah, Angelo Rosito? 
Mm-hmm. Love it. I was so happy when I saw him. His, yeah. He, he does the most. <laughs> yeah. Do you know he actually, had a movie that came out in 2018? Really? Yes. Uh, even though he died in 1991, uh, this movie was, I think, an Orson Welles uh, production. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. Oh, it was like something side of the summer or Other side like of the wind. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was like a long lost one. There, there was like a whole... I, I watched that when it came out because there was like... That movie came out and there was like a whole documentary about like why it was like hung <laughs> up for so long. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. Like, you know, it was... It's not like as good as the classic Orson Welles stuff. But like, right. it, it, you know, obviously it got hung up for decades for a reason. Like it was in, you know, purgatory with different too many hands in the pot basically right as as was the case with uh i think a lot of his later stuff except for transformers <laughs> uh you gotta love it yeah and even um there's a i forget dr bowman i think's his name or mm. something like that yeah uh, beaumont, beaumont. Dr. beaumont is um forrest j ackerman the founder oh. of famous monsters of Filmland. Hmm. uh so you know I mean, obviously I, i'm sure you know uh al adamson knew him through the the magazine and like gave him the cameo uh, fair enough but, but also he was uh ackerman was a good friend of don glute so ah. all kinds of franken cast connections it's a small franken world after all <laughs> so i've got a question we also have a character by the name of strange mm-hmm. so what do we think as okay so the original doctor strange appeared in 63 do we think this guy was a backdoor in Doctor Strange or a reference to that? Because he does talk about the occult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting. And he looks an awful like like the guy who played the original Doctor Strange in like what was it, the eighties? Yeah. <laughs> that horrible yeah, movie. That could be. All kinds of connections here. Yeah. And the the most important cast member, there's a very cute puppy in this yep. movie. And he lives through the movie, so don't worry. <laughs> yep, this is one where the dog doesn't die. <laughs> so it's the best. So do we also want to then get uh, get our warnings out of the way? Because there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, when you get these like these '70s exploitation movies, it's yeah. There's usually a little bit of everything in this. So we got some essay. We got gore. Um, they say they say the sl- the term for Romani, right? I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Just general weird old school, close to racist stuff. So just be aware of that. Yeah, the, there's a lot of politics in this, and it's kind of hard to like nail down what they're trying. Like, there's hippies in it, and mm-hmm. the way that they talk about the hippies are like not. Uh, it's it's like I don't know if if Al Adamson distrusted hippies or if he's like kind of p- poking fun at like the culture at the time. But like they're treated like they're like gangsters or something. Right. Yeah, it's it's a really or they're a weird subgroup of humanity, not necessarily actual people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like they don't really matter. Yeah, it's it's right. a strange. You know, I mean, I guess, but I don't know. It's like the seventies, right? Like the the hippies were mostly the sixties. So by now, like hippies should be like old news, but. Well, it's also the early seventies, and also the the what is it? How old is this guy? The the writer and director, like he's probably a little bit older. Mm, Mentally, yeah, he's okay. probably still in the sixties. Yeah, it feels that, that way. Sense. But um, yeah. what else? Oh, we also get an amazing term that is gross, uh, and I hate it. <laughs> um, it's said by Sergeant Martin, who you absolutely know has a has a white hood and cloak in somewhere in his closet. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, because do we say that or do we do we skip this where he actually brings up the white slavery bullshit? Oh, yeah. Do we skip that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because he's like implying that Samantha has kind of been trafficked or like willingly trafficked or something. Joni, really... Joni, because Samantha. Oh, Joni, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And he's not like he's just like, eh, you know. She made her, you know, she made her choices, whatever. Right. That part of town has pushers and purveyors. What was it? Purveyors of W. We'll say WS. <laughs> WS operators. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I know what it means, but really, that's that's a fucking weird term, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that term like still gets kind of thrown around today. Like it's just like a normal thing, and it's like by putting putting the quanta the, the color quantifier there. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> so it's really just human trafficking in general, and you don't have to be hippies to do it. 
Right. Probably you're less likely to be doing it if you're a hippie. Or more. I don't know. I don't know that subculture. Yeah. Um. So we might cut out this whole segment. Who knows? <laughs> No, I, mean, I think I think it's definitely worth mentioning because it's and and you, like you said, it this does come from the mouth of like this shitty cop that mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to hate. Yeah. So it, it makes sense for him to say something like this. Yeah, he, uh, he's ineffectual as as many uh, what fathers slash uh, authority figures are. Which mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. For <laughs> as much as he is, like this movie dislikes hippies, it dislikes this kind of authority even more. more I would say. Yeah, and that's why we like it, at least in that regard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get this party started. We start. We're starting off with some theremin music. That's a good sign, right? Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, and the credits are kind of like just monochromatic stills from the movie of Dracula and Frankenstein. Well, that motherboards, <laughs> old yeah. ancient ass motherboards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just random like electrical equipment and mm-hmm. everything. When the credits end, we're in a cemetery with a full moon. And it's like this being low budget and everything, but like it's super dark and you can't really tell what's going on very well in this scene. Right. It is like it's it's nighttime. It should be dark, but it should also, you know, movies at night, they're still lit so that you can see. You just know that it's night. They couldn't you know, afford this, a lighting r- lighting rig operator. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. So it's like I think there's somebody with a flashlight kind of swinging around and you can see things occasionally but it's a lot of just like darkness right we we get our first shot of dracula in this movie uh once again as we said played by zandor vorkov uh but i thought he was a member of the blue man group because <laughs> that's exactly the color he was was blue mm-hmm. yeah they're i guess they're going with the the whole monsters coloration thing as well you got a, a very blue dracula and a very well, the Frankenstein's not even really green. He's just kind of like Moldy. yellowy. Yeah. yeah, he just looks gross. Yeah, <laughs> like old bread or something. Right. It's either like some weird styrofoam that they put together, or odd paper mache that they let mold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The um, the monsters like the the Frankenstein looks just lumpy and weird, mm-hmm. and the Dracula is like he's got a goatee and kind of like a little bit of a of a fro, not like a disco like curly hairdo. Like, they do not look like what you normally see as a no, Dracula and but, Frankenstein. But this literally wanted me to, like, have a redo of Dracula 2000, where the uh, the Dracula was surged from System of the Down. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah, we see him and like it, somebody has opened his crypt. Basically, that's how we see him. He's like laying in a in a coffin, uh, and then he just immediately like pops out and attacks this groundskeeper and bites him. Right, and we know he bit him because we have two red wet dots <laughs> on the side of the groundskeeper's neck. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then we just cut to a carnival, which hey. is strange because our last movie had a carnival right at the beginning as well. Yeah. Um, but this is more like, um, it's like a Coney Island kind of vibe. I think it's West Coast, but it's like, you know, docks and piers and that kind of kind of situation. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be what, Santa Monica? Mm, okay. Seems like it. So the, the carnival's taking place like on the boardwalk and we have a girl who kind of walks down underneath and it's like super foggy. She's just kind of like walking through like a sort of fake forest of you know boardwalk uh posts yeah and then uh, all of a sudden someone decides they want to ask her a question <laughs> they want to ask her for a little head <laughs> you can cut that uh, but yeah so they decapitate her mm-hmm. and yeah it goes rolling and good old-fashioned like cheap b-movie decapitation mm-hmm. and then it immediately just cuts to daylight at the vegas strip so Which, we're in a that's amazing different... that's a hell of a cut right we go from cemetery to axe murderer to daylight on the vegas strip <laughs> yeah and it's just like somebody's driving around with a camera out the window you're mm-hmm. just kind of getting some like b-roll footage of the strip <laughs> oh, circa 1970s Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cut to, you know, in one of the casinos, I guess, we've got a, a Vegas showgirl who's singing this song about, like, how she travels light. And there's, it's this whole, like, kind of cabaret thing. She's, like, got big suitcases, and there's two guys with her that are singing back up and complaining about her heavy luggage and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. 
Yeah, and she she carries exactly what she means to, and she travels light, right? Mm-hmm. Because of course they have to lug everything around for her. Ah, cha 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 cha. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll find out that her name is Judith Fontaine. Right. So this begs the question. So this was just the director like shooting a promo for his girlfriend, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's what I thought to you. <laughs> she knows how to sing in case anybody looks <laughs> right? <hire> for that. <laughs> She's a big star, this Judith Fontaine is, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, and so when she finishes her number, she goes backstage and she has received a telegram from the police telling her that her sister Joni has gone missing, mm-hmm. which just immediately cuts to her talking to Sergeant Martin, the, the cop we mentioned earlier. Played by Jim Davis, who's one of the kind of a that guy actor if you're over a certain age. Mm, like, yeah. he, he did a lot of uh, old Western TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's just he's really shitty to her right away. Like, he's victim blaming about her sister. Like, you know, she made her choices. She put herself in this position. She, you know, she's, she's either ended up dead or trafficked and it's her fault because she you know ran with tough crowds and stuff right what he says uh obviously the thing we mentioned earlier she moved in with a bunch of hippies at the beach which that's weird but maybe that was the thing that really happened like just people randomly moving with i guess i guess that's yeah like hippie commune kind of thing yeah seems weird to me but i'm a you know (laughs) I, i like to be have my own space i guess yeah but, like, Judith is interested in, like, going out to where she was and trying to figure out what happened to her sister. And Sergeant Martin is like, no, you know, you need to stay here. You need to leave us alone. Let the cops do their job. You don't need to get involved in this. He says the grossest cop line I have ever fucking heard. Okay, you ready for this? He says, and I quote, it took me 21 years to come to this answer that when stuff like this happens, they want this to happen. Who wants to disappear? Yeah. Like, that's gross. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. And, like, even... That's not true, but if it were true, you don't say that to her sister. Right. Like, that's Yeah, it's just awful on so many levels. It's the worst. <laughs> it is the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, if they want us to hate this guy, done. Mission achieved. Good job. Yeah. And then from there, we cut back to the boardwalk, and this is where we see our uh, uh, Grasbo, the little person. I love him so much. He's Yeah, he's a lot of fun. I, like, he's not in that many scenes, but he really, like, takes over when he's in a scene. Like, he's just a lot of fun. Like, it's amazing. Like, you know, I don't want to make this a joke about his stature, but, like, for as small as he is, he, like, takes up so much of the, like, presence you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Like, amazing. We, uh. Yeah, and if you look at, like, he has a crazy huge, like, IMDb page. Like, mm-hmm. he has been in so much stuff. Uh, and there's a reason. I mean, like, he's just, he's really good at what he does. Yep. I mean, of course, everyone loved him in uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So, or not, I don't know. I did. <laughs> and so here, like, you know, he's using his charisma as a carnival barker and he entices this young couple to go into like it's kind of like a haunted house a kind of like a dark ride sort of thing but mm-hmm. you know it's like a walking thing like it's not a seated ride right and this would be strange and samantha mm-hmm. yeah i don't think we'll get their names for a no. little bit but yeah so they kind of walk through and you know it's it's a lot of like wax dummies like in nooses and you know in guillotines and stuff like that mm-hmm. um Man, I wonder if that guillotine's important. <laughs> it's definitely the Chekhov's item. <laughs> right? This movie for sure. Chekhov's guillotine. <laughs> but they do end up in one of the rooms. They meet a doctor. His name is Dr. DeRay. And he shows them this, like, masked man behind bars who's, like, growling and, like, acting really, like, animalistic. Yeah, he's wearing, like, what, a wolfman mask, it looked like? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. <laughs> Dr. DeRay, um, he's a wheelchair user, and he like goes over to where this, this man's behind bars and removes his mask, and it's, it's Lon Chaney Jr., and suddenly he's just a completely different... His behavior just totally changes. He's right. like very calm. Childlike, um, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely like the gentle giant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Can, can I talk about another amazing line? Someone actually wrote this down. But while the the couple is walking through the dark ride, or the, yeah, the haunted house, DeRay actually fucking says, 
Sometimes you must open your eyes to see things. <laughs> okay. Most of the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just the human experience. Now, I think he's talking about like on a metaphysical level, but come on, that's ridiculous. Who wrote that down? Who said that this is okay? Yeah. <laughs> Strange and Samantha, they're having a good time, but it, it's time for them to go. They've got to go get ready for a protest because... Mm -hmm. That's what hippies do, right? They they own. That's all they know how to do is protest. Right. Oh, and I fucking love like Samantha's like, yeah. What are we protesting? And Strange's like, I don't know. It's gonna be fun though. No, <laughs> no, mm -mm, you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that makes you like it. Like it seems like Al Adamson is definitely poking fun at, at the hippie movement. Mm -hmm. But you know, it could either you know, like we said, he may just be a little old fashioned, or it may be that he's just kind of burned out on like. Because by this time, the hippie movement had kind of fizzled out and stuff. Right. He could also be edgy and taking shots at everyone. Yeah. After they leave, um, Dr. DeRay goes down into his lab. The uh, Lon Chaney character follows him down, and we meet, or we learn his name is Groton. Right. He's his assistant. Groton is just like a, a very unpleasant word. Right? Like, who would Groton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this is where we meet uh, Groton's puppy. Yeah, this is the tiniest little puppy, which is just great with like big old Lon Chaney Jr. like cuddling up with this this little puppy. Yeah, it's a, it's um, adorable. While Doctor Deray is just doing like villain monologues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the the whole like villainous plot in this movie, it takes a while to like figure out what exactly is going on. Um, he's got a he's got a woman on the table. This is. Um, Judith's sister, Joni, and he has reattached her decapitated head. Right. And you know that because she has, like, weird scarring around her neck. Mm-hmm. And he, like, he says something about, like, somehow the process of decapitating and then reattaching and reviving a person, like, causes the body to produce some sort of hormone mm -hmm. or enzyme or something unique to that weird situation, and he's wanting to collect that to create this serum. So I think that someone else had, like, partially written this, because the idea is effectively that if you have a big enough shock, mm -hmm. you will create this extra hormone or whatever that can have miraculous properties that can just fucking heal people for no yeah. reason even people yeah, that it's really like maybe like a, like a fight or flight kind of thing mm -hmm. but the, over the course of the movie i think we'll get three or four cases of this happening mm -hmm. and each time it's like a slightly different thing and i couldn't tell if it was just he was collecting more and more of the same substance or if each of these events was a slightly different substance and he needed a little bit of each of them to make a serum it was it, it, it's one of those like kind of mcguffin -y things yeah it's just like i just go with it you don't really need to think too hard about it now, my read was it was pro getting progressively more even though i feel like decapitation pretty extreme <laughs> yeah so yeah um but so he has some of this serum groton lifts Joni up off of the the slab and puts her in this like glass coffin right and we we get our we get the first shot of nudity some breasts yeah yeah there's there's plenty of that in this mm -hmm. so then groton lays down on the slab and uh deray injects him it's like he has to get his fix right because he's like mm -hmm. tapping the vein yeah, and then he kind of turns like Mr. Hyde-ish, sort of. Like his hair gets disheveled. He kind of they put a little bit of makeup right. on his face to just make him look a little, a little different, you know. Um, like it's not like a full makeup job. It's just like what you would buy at like Party City to kind of look spooky. <laughs> right, and pretty much that's when we find out immediately that Groton is the axe murderer. <laughs> like yeah. if we didn't know. Yeah, so pretty much that's that's the whole thing is that Doctor Duray uses Groton to recruit. Uh, people. <laughs> that's a way to say it. <laughs> or to enlist corpses or mm -hmm. whatever. How it, yeah to to get more materials for his experiments, exactly. I guess would be the way to say it. No, I like recruit. That sounds... <laughs> <laughs> and then, so while while Dr. DeRay's waiting for Groton to return, Dracula just appears. Yeah, just out of nowhere. <laughs> and he's like, hey, I, I want to team up. Like, I think we can help each other out here. Right, and I love that DeRay's like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can't yeah, control like, me. 
yeah he's like i've already i've got a good thing going here i don't need to to complicate it i don't uh, you're you're not necessary mm-hmm. and dracula's like no we have a destiny see you're the last of the frankensteins <gasps> uh, dun, dun, dun. yeah yeah so i mean if, if all the mad scientist stuff going on already hadn't kind of clued you into that yeah um and he's like i know that you have a bunch of people who cast you out from the like medical establishment and you probably want revenge i can help I you can get help that revenge that. yeah and it's even like implied that like these guys caused some sort of accident which led to deray being in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and dracula's like and beyond that i have the original frankenstein monster that your ancestors made right dun 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 yeah and so that that kind of convinces deray he's like okay i you know i guess we can we can team up because I am interested in, in playing around with that monster. Oh, of course, you know. But I do love how Dracula's like, he shoots off some, uh, well, I wouldn't say shoot off. An animator drew some fire coming out of his ring. Um, <laughs> fire, quote unquote. And then he says, uh, there will be a bloodbath unlike the world has ever seen before. Gen- the generic evil vampire shit. <laughs> yeah. By the way, did you notice that like they had him echo his voice echoing? I guess mm-hmm. that was to sound ominous, but it failed. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird reverb effect that they do on his voice. Just on it, him, though. Yeah, it's very distracting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he also says something that sort of indicates that maybe Dr. Beaumont, who is one of DeRay slash Frankenstein's rivals might have experimented on the Frankenstein monster previously. Right, yeah, and, well, he caused the accident. This is my take on it. He caused the accident to Frankenstein, or DeRay, so that he could get the monster to himself effectively and make sure that DeRay couldn't interfere with his plans. Gotcha, okay. So that doesn't work out for him. <laughs> yeah. Once DeRay agrees to join Dracula, we cut back to underneath the pier... We've got a young couple, you know, laying in the sand on a beach blanket, kind of fooling around a little bit. The guy could be uh, 20 or 60, either one, anywhere in that age range. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the classic thing where, like, she keeps hearing a scary sound, and mm-hmm. she's like, hang on, you know, wait, we got to go check that out. And he's, you know, he's just, he's interested in continuing to fool around. Right. So he's like, it's, it's nothing, honey, don't worry about it. It's your damn imagination. <laughs> That awful imagination. He's like, you're mine. Ugh, yeah. He's gross. Yeah, the, the level of pressure that he's putting on here is definitely unpleasant. Right, and then at, at the, like, when he gets fed up, he's like, damn it, we had to leave the party because you didn't want to be around people. Now that we're here, you just want to focus on your imagination. It's like, this guy is the grossest. <laughs> he is the true villain of this movie. Yeah, yeah, he sucks pretty bad. Yeah, and luckily, uh, I think he's going to get what's coming to him. Yeah, um, Groton appears at that point and kills the guy, and then, like, it looks like he kills her as well. Like, they're both just kind of laying there, and there's blood splattered everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she just, like, faints is, is what's going on. We'll, I think we'll get a little bit more with her in a little bit. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. The doctor will put her back together again regardless. <laughs> and then we cut to footage from protests, which are probably I, I would bet this is just real footage like I doubt he like shot this whole thing did you see what some of the signs said I saw something about cops but police brutality tell. okay yeah so that's a lot's changed <laughs> right I guess yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a shame to think yeah it's like what 40 50 years mm-hmm. and we're still in the streets protesting police brutality ah uh, America <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and from the protests, we just like cut to inside a hippie dance club where Judith has arrived, and you know, against uh, Sergeant Martin's request, she is investigating what happened to her sister. Right. And why? Okay, so we have a guy who's like he's decked out in punk rock gear, right, hanging with a bunch of hippies. Doesn't seem like that would work. <laughs> but also, he has this massive fucking scar on his head, <laughs> just like right across his forehead. Right. I'm like, is he a Frankenstein? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a weirdly placed scar. He is not. And as a matter of fact, he's nowhere beyond the scene. Mm-hmm. This is it. Yeah. 
because she's asking him so she's asking around about um rico she wants to know if anybody knows who rico is Mm -hmm. Uh, she's got like a picture of Joni, and no no one seems to know her so that guy like plays he's like oh i've never heard of a rico and i don't recognize that picture what do you want right back yeah yeah she's like oh coffee and he's like he goes right to fucking rico (laughs) (laughs) immediately it's like all you had to do was watch the guy and boom you knew Um, but Rico's like here and he hands him a little vial of drugs and is like you can put that in her coffee yeah yeah. basically give her a Mickey which immediately leads into her having like a psychedelic drug trip kind of like freak out scene yeah that's a wild scene because there's instances of her rolling around on a bed uh, hanging up in a web and what was the the other one there's like three oh she was running on a beach Mm -hmm. and yeah it's like this is the most I'm not saying I've been on a few trips but they have been nowhere (laughs) nothing like this yeah yeah and then like even the the shots of her in the bar Mm -hmm. you know like the cameras doing like freaking out rubbing her face and everybody in the club is just kind of like either ignoring her or laughing at her Mm -hmm. until Strange and Samantha show up and they quickly realize that like she's in distress and this is a bad situation for her uh, and because they're good hippies that like take care of other people, they're decent uh, people. Yeah, they escort her out of the bar, um, and then we just cut to, or we actually cut to like later on um, back at Duray's lab, uh, and we've got a pretty good like science lab scene here with like lots of lights and sparks. We, we've got a stationary science wheel, but I'm accepting <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, I put the same thing. Mm-hmm. DeRay and Dracula revive the Frankenstein monster. Okay, with- now what kind of bullshit is this, by the way? Because they ch- they chalk up like him coming back to life because of this fucking comet. They're like he was the monster was brought to life when a comet came uh, flew overhead during a thunderstorm. It's like why? Why do we need it that complicated? Why could we not just have a thunderstorm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're like it's it's a good thing that same comet is here tonight or whatever, and then it's never mentioned again. Never, nothing, nothing to do with it. You know what the fucking comet effect is? It's basically somebody with a small little strobe light of a fucking comet. Like, uh, it's the worst. Yeah, it's so goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the creature wakes up, and and you know, like we said, this this is probably the worst creature makeup I think we've seen. It's we've seen rough. a lot of a lot of janky makeup jobs. It's just straight over. up a foam head on a guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like the that you get that foam in a can mm-hmm. that you spray when there's like a gap in your insulation or something. This monster has just, the chubbiest cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Ray is like, Dr. Beaumont, tonight you're going to meet an old friend. Ha ha ha. Exactly. By the way, Dracula's fucking stone cold. <laughs> because because we get the shot of Beaumont getting into the car, and then he turns and boom, Dracula. And <laughs> yeah. the guy's obviously freaked out, and he's like, what the fuck? And he's like, just keep driving, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to do that with a weird guy in my car, and I'm not just going to get out and run. <laughs> And, like, he just drives a little bit, and suddenly there's, like, they in the headlights, you just see, like, a man running towards them. And as he gets closer, you see it's the Frankenstein monster. Right. And then, of course, Dracula's just like, you should get out of the car, Doctor. And he does it! <laughs> he just fucking does it! This Dracula has not hypnotized anybody yet. Yeah, like, this would make sense if, he, if they'd done any kind of effect to show that he was glamoured, but they have not. But, yeah, so he gets out of the car, and then the, the Frankenstein monster just chokes him out. Yep. And just, just kills him there in the street. We, we ain't got time or money for that effect. Just <laughs> yeah. choking. So then we cut to what's up with Judith after being, you know, rescued from the club. She wakes up in like an unfamiliar kind of beach house. With a random guy with a turtleneck and shark tooth uh, <laughs> necklace. Yeah. What a fucking accessory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that feels like that was like a big thing. Like with beach people. I mean, I guess maybe around beach stuff it's still a big thing like if you go to myrtle beach you can probably buy a yeah. shark tooth necklace now but that's because myrtle beach hasn't stepped out of the 80s oh anyway but yeah this is mike yeah and she's like what happened to me and he's like you were you were drugged probably you were asking a lot of questions at the bar probably somebody thought you were a cop and they were trying to get rid of you and then he admits to her that he did he knew Joni, but that he hasn't seen her in a while and like in direct contrast to everything that sergeant martin said about hippie culture 
uh, Mike's like, you know, we kind of have our own culture. We have our own society that we just kind of like, they're not off the grid, but they're almost off the grid. Right. We take care uh, of each other. You know, we're a small yeah. community, all that good stuff. And we, yeah, we protect each other, you know, we protect each other from outsiders. But he says, Joni had this strange obsession with sort of divergent, like, it, I, I can't remember exactly how he describes it, but like, she's, she would spend a lot of time at DeRay's um, exhibit because she was obsessed with like the freakish and right. strange and like Mike said she actually had dreams about being literally quote unquote a freak you know whatever that means uh, with two heads one eye and an elongated spine <laughs> but somehow that turned her into something beautiful so she's she's goth before right before goth became a thing <laughs> yeah yeah, she spent all her time at, at Dr. DeRay's Creature Emporium, that, and Judith is like, that doesn't sound like the Joni that I knew at all. This is very strange. Right, it's not like she just ran out and joined a hippie commune for no fucking reason, <laughs> Judy. I, I think maybe you didn't know your sister as well as you thought. Yeah. Mike's like, well, let's go check out the, the exhibit, and maybe that will make some connection for you. Maybe we can figure something out. Mm -hmm. uh, and Strange and Samantha pop in at that time, so they all, they kind of like go on a little double date. Yeah. And I like when they actually get to the door of uh, DeRay's uh, Monster Emporium that Judy's like, oh, this is just kind of a lame carnival. It's like, they told you that. That's the whole point of this thing. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, there's a really weird joke uh, in this like as they're headed to the emporium, uh, Doctor Str <laughs> Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yep. <laughs> Strange says to Mike, he's like, "Don't let them, uh, don't let them take me." Right. Don't and let them. Uh, what Mike says something about uh, they're gonna cast an enchantment on you or something. I won't let them cast an enchantment. Something like that, right? Yeah. And and Sam's like, "What about me?" And uh, Strange is like, "Well, you know how to go invisible." And she's like, "Only from the waist down." Which, that's fucking weird. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I, if it's a sexual innuendo, I do not know how it is. <laughs> like, ha your clothes being invisible, maybe, but, like, if your body's invisible from the waist down, you're just a weird floating... You're, yeah, something. you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't, uh, I, yeah, I don't know what she was going for there, but mm -hmm. it felt like it was supposed to be a joke. Yep, it was an anti-joke for sure. <laughs> But yeah, in the Emporium, DeRay's not there this time at first, but they just hear recordings of him kind of like leading them through the tour. Yeah. Um, but we do see that Dracula is in there. He's just hiding out behind pillars watching them. I love... All right. So I don't know if the, the actor fucked up or, or if this was intentional, but he was literally rolling his eyes <laughs> in between takes. So it's like... Was he, was he, did he have like contacts in that bothered him or did, did he think the doctor was being a, or not the doctor, the director was being a dumbass? <laughs> like why, why was this Dracula rolling his eyes so much? Yeah. Yeah. Like sarcastic mm -hmm. Dracula is not right. what we usually see. I love a sarcastic Dracula though. But at that point, I think DeRay does end up coming out and Judith asks him about Joni and he's like, uh, I, you know, a lot of people come through here. I don't, I don't recognize her at all. Right. And they immediately call his bluff. They're like, bullshit. Yeah. Like as soon as he leaves, Judith's like, that was very suspicious. You think, um, right? Yeah. And then we just like, as they're leaving, they're all kind of like in an alley and Rico and his gang appear. Well, can we talk about how strange is like, Ooh, there's a tire. That is art. Which is also kind of a hippie joke, right? <laughs> yeah. It means something. Everything means something. <laughs> right. You just don't get it, man. Right. And he decides he's going to roll the tire, and that's when, yeah, as you said, Rico and his neo-Nazi group show up. Yeah, one of the dudes definitely just straight up has a Nazi armband on. Yeah, the other guy has an iron cross on his back, so it's like, hmm, these are bad people. Mm -hmm. Which I guess that's better than, you know, we've seen weird Nazi stuff show up in other movies on characters that weren't as villainous. Right. Here, we're, we're supposed to hate Rico and his gang, yeah. so sure, throw a swastika on and that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. They're definitely trying to kidnap Samantha. Yeah, Samantha um, used to be Rico's girl. Mm -hmm. This is, again, the, kind of lean, like it seems like either Rico wants to take her back for himself or as like a trafficking victim. It's kind of unclear, but yeah, either way, you know, he's wanting to take her against her will to do things mm -hmm. with her. Um, so just, yeah, bad situation. But thankfully, the police arrive, like a police car pulls up at the end of the alley 
and Rico and company like jump on their motorcycles and speed off. Hey, it looks like Sergeant Martin actually showed up to do something. Except he didn't. He just showed up to be in a pain in their ass. Yeah, he's just still shitty. He says something like, I'm, I'm not here to take to help you all. Like, Samantha can take care of herself. Right. And, and of course, he's like, you shouldn't be here. This is, I know everything there is about this part of town. This is my part of town. Which, okay, buddy. Sure you do. I believe you. Yeah. And, you know, Judith asks if he knows anything about Dr. DeRay then. And he's like, I'm not telling you anything. Right. You need to stay out of this. I'm the cop. You're, you know, you're just a citizen. Which, to be fair, that is correct. But also, they're doing shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Then we got Mike and Judith going for a walk on the beach. It's definitely like he thinks they're on a date and she's like, uh, you know, you're really nice and I really appreciate everything you're doing for me. But like, I, I don't really want to get involved with anybody right now. So they start making out about it. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, that's fine. We can just be good friends. And then, yeah, start making out. So. Right. Friends with benefits, I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, and then that just immediately cuts to uh, back down in DeRay's lab. He's working on more experiments. Groton's mugging right now, making all kinds <laughs> of faces. Yeah. So he says that these victims that he's collecting, this, the serum from, he thinks that this serum will cure him so that he'll be able to get out of the wheelchair. It will cure Groton's like weird sort of Mr. Hyde split personality monstrous thing. And I think later on they'll also imply that somehow it might be able to help Grasbo get taller. Big? Yeah. yeah I guess. He doesn't um, need it, but okay. Yeah. Then, like, Groton starts kind of, like, turning monstrous again. So, uh, DeRay has to give him some of the serum. And he gets pissed at him about it. He's like, damn it, Groton. You're making me use the serum to heal you. Do you know what you're doing, Groton? It's like, he has no control over changing. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what you're making the serum for, right? Right. To help him. So, uh, if you're using him to collect all of these bodies, the least you can do is take care of him in the meantime. Yeah, come on. You got to pay your employees. Damn it. And then we see a little later, uh, Judith is still with Mike and she's like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going about this wrong. Maybe I'm like hovering around my sister and that's pushed her away. Maybe I need to give her more freedom. I promise I'll let Joni do her own thing. Okay. That's great. But where is she? <laughs> yeah. And Mike's like, yeah, like I, I think DeRay is up to something like mm-hmm. we, we need to get to the bottom of this. And then it's just like a little later that night we see there's like a young couple in their car, you know, parking, making out, and the Frankenstein monster appears. He gives no shits. He's like, <laughs> he just looks in the window, sees him making out, rips off the fucking door, drags the guy out, then the girl. The guy tries to fight. He just, I guess, kills the guy by slamming him against the car. Yeah, seems like it. And just steals the girl away. And then the police show up and they just start shooting at him. But it has no effect, and then he... Can we talk <laughs> about that one cop's thought process? Because he unloads his gun, and then he goes in for a pistol whip. It's like, <laughs> my, my dude, <laughs> you had six chances. You hit each time. If that didn't work, I don't think the pistol whip's going to do much. Yeah, if the six bullets don't work, you need to, like, throw the gun at him and run right? the fuck away. <laughs> Treat him like Superman. Throw the gun at him. He'll duck. <laughs> But yeah, so then the Frankenstein monster kills all of the police <laughs> and then just carries the girl away. Amazing. Uh, and then it's just like a little later, we got Mike and Judith. They are walking around under the pier. Well, Judy's walking around, then Mike jump scares her. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they happen to stumble upon a secret door leading up. Uh, it's like a. It looks like, you know, like the attic thing. There's like a string hanging down from. It's very well thing. hidden, except it's not. <laughs> it's very blatant that this is a trapdoor to this place overhead. Because Mike's even like, we've got to be directly under DeRay's Monster Emporium right now. What's this secret trapdoor doing here? And the dumb thing is, they don't go in. They just decide, like. They eventually they, they go in, but they go up onto the pier and go back into the front door instead of trying to sneak in through the the secret door right which 
That's very smart. But I love I love that Mike's like, all right, Judith, I'm going to go in and I'm going to figure this out. You stay out here and you wait for me, which makes a sense to a degree, but also buddy system. Yeah, this is not a situation where, like, because she's not safe by herself either. Right. <laughs> Exactly. She's more at risk than he is, probably, but still. And I love that Mike runs into uh, Grasbo, and Grasbo's like, yeah, it's a dollar to get in. And Mike's like, I ain't got no time for that. Just jumps over the railing. And Grasbo's like, ah, I'll get you when I, when, when I get taller. We also get a scene here with Sam walking on the beach, and Rico's crew finds her, and they start chasing yeah. her and just generally like just trying to scare her jumping out behind things and menacing her and everything and eventually they get her down and like this yeah. is leading to a scene of sexual assault yeah. but then again thankfully Groton appears with the axe and kills everybody except for Sam mm-hmm. and carries her away well I'm glad that that ended when it did <laughs> Yeah, he, he does. Groden does have a tendency to show up at the right moment and the exact take right. care of the bad guys. I mean, he even though he is technically a bad guy, he's a good a good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then we have Judas following behind Mike, and like where Grasbo kind of tried to stop Mike, he's just like, "Ha, yeah, go on in, right. You'll find your friend. <laughs> just go on in." Yeah. So like he's he's up to no good at this point as well. Yeah, I guess he figures it's better to have them inside than out. Yeah, he kind of like just laughs villainously as she's going in. It's it's amazing. Like his villainous laugh is the best because yeah. he's like, bah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he definitely has like a talent for chewing the scenery. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then inside, Mike and Judith end up meeting up again, and they are kind of exploring. They end up, they find Joni. She is, you know, still in her glass coffin. And then DeRay pops out and is like, I saved her. Your sister wouldn't even be alive today if it weren't for me. Right. Mike, of course, gets him with a good stinger of, you're nothing but a uh, collector of humans. And despite (laughs) being in a wheelchair, you have someone else doing your work. You really got him there, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Oof. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And he's like, well, I've chosen the two of you to help me further with my experiments. And then he shows them Sam, who is unconscious uh, on a slab. And, you know, he's like, she fainted from terror at witnessing, you know, when when, uh, Groton killed the, the men who were attacking her. Right, but that somehow gave me a lot of the hormone that we wanted. So I guess, like, the extended fear that wasn't cut short with death somehow made her yeah probably rico helped elevate that i guess to a point yeah probably so yeah but yeah either way he's like this is this is the final ingredient once i get stuff from her you know my serum will be complete actually no no he's he's got one thing beyond that right is that he needs the blood of someone who witnesses their lover being killed right so i'm gonna have you both watch each other get murdered (laughs) okay well that'll do it (laughs) Uh, at that point, Groton attacks Mike. Um, Grasbo comes down because, you know, as we said, he's hoping to get some of this serum as well. Right, and um, he gets a fucking axe. Grasbo's <laughs> going to join in on the axe murder. Uh, yeah, but then he bumps into the puppy cage, yeah. which which falls through the trap door uh, and, you know, hits the beach and breaks open. So then the, the puppy's running loose. He falls uh, down. Well, he doesn't fall down the, the trap door, but he falls, like, on a... He basically is barely holding himself up. Mm-hmm. And he drops the axe, which falls down, and st- it falls in the sand, sticking, you know, one blade face up. Yeah, so you know where this is going. Do we have to t- <laughs> say it? He falls on the axe. Yeah, he falls face first, and yeah, it, it's a pretty good effect. Like, it, it's it's a good gore gag there. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, DeRay pulls out a gun and right. just, like, starts shooting just wildly. Like, He's just like, fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Mike starts running away, DeRay chasing after him. He wings Mike. Mm-hmm. Gets him in yeah. the shoulder. Mike somehow gets him to fire off his... Lo- like, he play he switches up the illusions to where DeRay fires at, like, the mirror image of Mike. Mm-hmm. And then Mike's like, oh, I'm going to get you. And DeRay's like, nope, fuck off. And speeds off in his wheelchair. And then, yeah, he crashes his wheelchair into, into the, the guillotine, guillotine, falls forward onto it, and the blade slams down and decapitates. Hell of an end. 
Yeah. So again, hoisted by his Robotard. own petard, literally, you know, he's the, the decapitator and then is decapitated. <laughs> the decapitator has become the decapitated. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn you, Robespierre! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, th- so that was our, our um, Chekhov moment. Right, exactly. And then Judith goes out a window and Groton follows her. So we've kind of split up at this point. So I guess this building is like, there's levels to it, because they go out a window, but they're now on a rooftop. Right. Mm -hmm. Groton's chasing Judith, and the police show up. They, you know, they see this, and Sergeant Martin shoots Groton, and he falls off the building, becomes a dummy, smashes into the ground, then turns back into Lon Chaney Jr. (laughs) Poor Lon Chaney Jr. He got no lines in this movie. That's pretty rough. Yeah, he just kind of grunts and groans and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his death, like, they do give it, give this nice little sad moment. Like, he's laying there dying, and the puppy comes and, like, Aww. cuddles up next to his, to his neck and is, like, licking his face as he dies. It's, yeah. it's pretty sweet. Yeah. He deserved better. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Groton, like, he was recruited by a bad guy to do bad things, but I don't think he was necessarily bad. He was just simple-minded and, mm-hmm. you know, led astray. Exactly. Yeah. But then Dracula says, fuck this shit. You've ruined everything for me, uh, Judy. So uh, you've got to go. Yeah, so he like does the hypnotism thing to her and then ties her to a like railing. Mm-hmm. Like She's up like, on a catwalk, you know, and um, then the uh, Frankenstein monster appears and Dracula's basically like, get her, you know. Um, so And then our uh, boy Mike shows up and I thought he got a stake. But I thought the same thing. He pulls like this stick out of the glove compartment of, I think the police car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's like a stick. And I was like, why does it? Why do the cops just have it's a stake? Steak. Like that's convenient to kill a vampire. But mm-hmm. no, it's not a stake. It's a flare. It's a road flare, which makes a lot more sense. It does. It really does. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he lights the the flare and he blinds the Frankenstein monster with it which causes the monster to just kind of like wildly start attacking and ends up attacking Dracula. Dracula. And then God, God bless Mike. He's putting in so much work. He gets uh, Judith out of the, uh, her little bindings and gets her uh, off of the premise. Um, gets her out into the woods almost, which I didn't know there were woods around here, but apparently there were. <laughs> yeah, this whole like last little bit, it's like they definitely just either ran their permit at the beach, ran out and they're like, well, we can finish the woods. It'll be fine. Right. It's either someone's property or they were like, okay, we have to go to Northern California now uh, (laughs) for some reason. But uh, guess what? Uh, You know, it looks like the good guys have gotten away, except now Dracula's finished fighting uh, the monster. The monster's fine. uh, And Dracula's like, all right, what's my my long-range attack? Hey, I've got this wonderful ring. He fucking blows up Mike. Like that was the most ex- like shocking thing I think we've seen. And it's like earlier, you know, it's like animated fire coming out of the ring, and then just suddenly Boom. animated fire completely <laughs> covers Mike's body, and then he's just like laying there dead. Yeah, fucking wild, man. <laughs> and then we just see the uh, the Frankenstein monster has picked up Judith, who's unconscious. and he carries her inside like an old church that's out in the woods, right, for no reason. <laughs> Which you would think Dracula would be like, nah, man, that's the one place we don't go. <laughs> right. Uh, and so then, again, Dracula ties her up and lights, like, a bunch of candles. Because mm-hmm. you got to get the atmosphere. It's got to be <laughs> nice here. you got to make this romantic torture scene. Of course, Dracula is nothing if not uh, dramatic, for sure. <laughs> right. But uh, it looks like the monster is getting, you know, getting some feelings for Judith. Mm-hmm. Dracula, I think he says, since you've ruined my plans at the beach, I'm just going to turn you. So right. At least I've got a... a an assistant, like another vampire to help me with things. I get a net positive out of this. But like you said, the Frankenstein monsters caught the feelings for Judith and he's not down with her being turned into a vampire. So we finally get really the title of the movie. Are you saying Dracula versus Frankenstein? It's a monster fight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) And so, yeah, they're running around in the forest um, fighting. At some point, Dracula's ring gets knocked off. So he's lost his, uh, his range weapon. Right. And he's, he's like, Oh, if only I had my ring to blow up this monster. (laughs) 
but he's still Dracula is strong. He rips off one of Frankenstein's arms. Well, he tells him, "I'm going to rip you apart piece by piece," and he does so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has like strong like Monty Python like black. <laughs> it does. Like, <laughs> it does. I'm going to start with your arms, both of them. Yeah. Uh, and then Mo- Frankenstein monster just runs around like it's so goofy. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's definitely a guy with his arms inside his shirt, you know, just right. running around. Uh, and then, yeah, he finally rips off, uh, Dracula rips off Frankenstein's head. So he has theoretically won, but in, in the time that this is taken, he the sun has come out. Yeah, the sunlight's come up. So Dracula <laughs> runs through the forest for a good, it feels like five minutes, but I think it was only two. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to get in somewhere in the shade doesn't make it and he just like melts (laughs) he does and honestly i will say that in my opinion this is my opinion this is the best makeup in the whole movie (laughs) the whole (laughs) budget was blown right here (laughs) it really was and i actually (laughs) saw so like the i forget is i think sam sherman Mm -hmm. is one of the producers of the movie and he directed this one scene. So it's like, I wonder what else this, like, this guy <laughs> is the most confident part of the movie. Right? <laughs> like, the actors were fine. Uh, the guy playing DeRay was a little bit of a ham. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then Lon Chaney, I guess they couldn't afford to pay him for speaking lines. I guess. So he's like, I'm on loan from the actors' union or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, and then, yeah, this is it. If, if not for Grasbo, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it is, you know, usually when Draculas get hit with sunlight, they'll either explode or they'll turn to dust. Yeah, or, or just catch on fire or something like that. Yeah, but this sort of, like, melt effect is, is unique, you know. It's we, like it ages him. Yeah. We haven't seen, you know, we see the occasional Dracula when it gets mixed into our Frankensteins, but, was, but we have not come across this effect in anything else mm-hmm. yet. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, then it looks like just Dracula dies as Judith uh, manages to get out of her bonds. Then she has a just PTSD flashback (laughs) of everything that happened in the movie. Yeah, it's like a a summary. Right. (laughs) Which, it's like, it makes more sense nowadays. It'd be like, you know, if you were looking at your phone for part of this, here's the, the, the main plot points. Right. Um, well, it's almost but, like a like an early version of kind of um, the f- quote unquote final girl going crazy, right? Like with mm-hmm. uh, what is it, Sally? Is it Hathaway or Hardesty? Hardesty, yes, yeah, Sally Hardesty, or you know, in Texas Chainsaw, exactly. But then she does end up. She finds um, Dracula's ring on the ground um, and picks it up, you know, th- like as if she's gonna defend herself, which is smart, but. Dracula's already dead, so she's fine, and then just drops the ring in the grass and kind of just walks off, and then we get the end. The end. There you go. An extremely abrupt ending, because she just (laughs) drops the ring and, like, walks off, and then that's it. Yeah. So the the final girl thing definitely feels accurate. Like, everybody else in this movie ends up with a rough end. Yeah. Poor Mike, though. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. I, I feel bad for Grasbo because, but he was hoisted by his own petard, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Groton, you know, he's, you know, he's not a bad guy, but he's a bad guy. Yeah, but yeah, Mike was doing the right thing and just, just got blown up, toasted for you. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, so, what do you think, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, this movie is goofy as hell, but, like, if, if you're going into it wanting that, it's, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Like, it it feels like it's made by people who liked the Universal movies and wanted to do something like it, but didn't quite have the budget for it. Right, that and they wanted to make it a little edgier, because the 70s and 80s would become, you know, all about gore. Yeah. There's this, like, I think it may be apocryphal story. I don't think it's actually true but uh, there's this story that goes around that like the ramones wanted to be a beatles cover band mm-hmm. but they weren't good enough at their instruments so then they just became the ramones and that kind of feels like right what this movie, like, we, we couldn't make a universal movie but we could make this kind of weird sloppy thing instead you know and it has its own charm for sure absolutely like i'm not gonna lie though those first like 15 minutes are kind of boring mm-hmm. <laughs> but everything after that's pretty good it, yeah, it definitely starts slow, but once things 
pretty much once they like wake up the Frankenstein monster, it's it's pretty much like a wild ride from that point on. Oh, 100%. Pure octane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's the roller coaster. You have to get crank up to the top so that you can just spin around for a while. Right. And honestly, I don't think, like, it's, Mike's death is both hilarious and, like, terrifying. So I guess, like, <laughs> the fact is, is that he's the hero. He did everything right. Mm-hmm. And then he just got blown up. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so so it has its. It, this is a very um, so bad it's good movie. Yeah, it's it's one that like I, I would say it's charming. Yeah. It's not good, but it's got a it's got a big heart, and yeah, you just it's it's hard not to love it for that. All right, well, uh, where can they find us, Anthony? Uh, yeah, so you can find us on most of the socials, mainly Twitter and Instagram. Still, uh, you know, we're we're keeping our eye on the future of of uh, social. Media Who knows. We're at the Frankencast pretty much wherever you can find, uh, you know, wherever you go. Um, you can also email us at thefrankencast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also over on YouTube, and you can find us at patreon.com slash thefrankencast. Heck yeah. Join us anywhere. Uh, any interactions, good interaction, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yep, your support, however you can give it, is appreciated. We don't exactly. have, we don't usually like rates and reviews help too. We don't tend to like you know beat that drum, but those are also helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So Anthony, I mean, we've seen just the regular Dracula versus Frankenstein, but let's get a little bit more erotic. <laughs> Maybe we could have Dracula, a prisoner of Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so th- this next week, this this movie is also sometimes called Dracula versus Frankenstein. So you can kind of see where this little little series here. Um, yeah, this one uh, is Jess Franco, who's kind of mostly known for like erotic thrillers and stuff, but he made made a handful of monster movies as well. Um, he this isn't the first movie we'll we'll or this is the first movie, but it won't be the last movie we do from him. He's he's dipped his toe into Frankenstein-y stuff a few times. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm ready to see it. It looks it looks like another so bad it's good. So let's find out if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean his stuff's super trashy, but it, it it can be fun as long as you're okay with the with the trash. Absolutely. All right. Well, in that case, to be continued. Thanks for listening.